1: Call 562 314 4603 for complete details.
2: Welcome to the Early Edge NFL Week 15 Player Prop Preview Show presented by BetMGM. I am your host, EC. We have a great show planned for you, but guess what? We have been killing it the last few weeks. Take a look at this 10 and 4 week last week. Good job to Uncle Dave. 4 and 1. I was 3 and 1, Proppy 3 and 2. Not too shabby. So let's get right to it. We have a lot of great props to bring your way. Let's bring in the stars of the show. We have the best prop expert in the world. And I mean that seriously. Prop stars. We have the best fantasy football expert in the world, when I agree with them. That is Dave Richard from CBS Sports. I usually agree with you for the most part. So we're on a good thing. But let's start first. Proppy, we don't have a poem for you to read. But there was a showdown last week, for those of you who watched.
3: And it did not go so well for you. It didn't, EC. Great to see you, by the way, EC. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, chat. I am fired up. It's week 15. First and foremost, before we get down to business, I need to tip the proverbial cap to my friend, to my colleague, to my mentor, and to my, in my opinion, the best fantasy football uh, personality that we have at CBS Sports and probably all of the land. My colleague, Dave Richard, Dave, congratulations. You beat me on a showdown. You had a fantastic week last week. Uh, I just need to tip the cap to you and say, well done, sir.
4: It's all well and good. I appreciate the cap tip, but uh, I, I saw some X's on that graphic, guys. And we, we, it feels like once a year, and probably you can back me up on this, once a year, we, we have a week where we just go bananas and we hit it all. And I'm looking for that week. And I don't know about you guys. I had a pretty easy time coming up with some props this week. And that's usually a very good sign.
2: Well, you know what, Dave, the good thing for me is I'm not doing a kicker prop this week because last week in a three, nothing game to have a guy kick multiple field goals. That doesn't go well. And Oh, by the way, for the Raiders last night, Daniel Carlson didn't kick a field goal either. Kick nine extra points funny how the nfl works this sport is so tough to bet on but fortunately we have you guys and you know what in our first category the rushing props we have some synergy probably i'm going to start with you the three of us are targeting the same game in fact two of us have the same player but in different props probably why don't you start us off and tell us who you like in that particular game yeah, it's funny. The three of us are
3: targeting the same backfield, EC, and we're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we talking about specifically, or I'm talking about specifically, uh, Jalen Warren. I like him to go over eight and a half rushing attempts in this game. Uh, Jalen Warren has really come on strong, specifically over the, last, the second half of the season. He's carved out a significant role in that Pittsburgh backfield. The one B to Najee Harris is a 1A, but looking at Jalen, Warren. He's very explosive. You can make the argument he's certainly the better three down back. He has receiving skills as well. Uh, He plays somewhat of a second fiddle to Najee Harris, but he's had double digit carries in five of his last six games. The only time he's been under this nine rushing attempts line that we're looking for was against New England, where they were playing from behind. In that game, if you recall, New England got out to a big lead, forced Pittsburgh not really uh, to for, to air the ball out. So I like this matchup against the Colts. A much softer run defense. Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. They're going to have to lean heavily on this tandem. I think they run the football quite a bit in this matchup. So give me Jalen Warren over eight and a half rushing attempts.
2: Well, I think you said it right there, Proppy. I don't even think Pittsburgh trusts Mitchell Trubisky to win anything. I don't even know why they're starting him over Mason Rudolph to begin with. But Dave, you and I have some synergy as well with the same player. I'll let you start off with your bet first. Sure. Uh, I,
4: I think we're uh, targeting this backfield for a reason. It's the Steelers' backfield, like you guys said. And I like Najee going over 13.5 rush attempts. It's minus 129. And this one worked out for me two weeks ago when the Steelers played the Cardinals. But I think the game script will be a lot better for the Steelers this time. Harris has been over this mark in four of his past six games. Clearly is the lead rusher for the Steelers. You can go and look at the the game logs. It's obvious. He's the main guy when it comes to running the football. The team's only bailed on him when his efficiency has been downright poor. But on a week where they're coming off a loss and they've had extra time to get ready for this game against the Colts, I feel like he'll be a little fresher. I think Warren will be a little fresher, too. I think the whole offense will be fresher. Now, in their last four games, the Colts have allowed 4.6 yards per carry to running backs. There's a little wrinkle in there, though. Last week, big defensive tackle Grover Stewart came back. They played Cincinnati. They allowed 3.6 yards per attempt. We don't care so much about that number as much as we do about this number. Offenses are running right at the Colts, including 29 running back rushes by the Bengals, 37 running back rushes by the Titans, kind of predictable 33 running back rushes by the Patriots that's all over the last four weeks what do those offenses have in common they run the ball to shorten the game and to kind of hide their quarterback so that the quarterback doesn't make a mistake that's what the Steelers are so I'm rolling with Najee Harris over 13 and a half rush attempts I'd go as high as
2: 14 and a half if it means paying less juice I think that's a great pick Dave and I'm absolutely with you on Najee Harris but I'm going to play it in a different way. I'm going to go over 65 and a half rushing plus receiving yards at minus 120. You know, you had mentioned in the last four games the Colts have been poor. But do you know that seven running backs against them in the last four weeks have surpassed 88 total yards against yes. Indianapolis. That's terrible. That's uh, a couple uh, that's three games of two running backs doing it in the same game. It's it's mind-blowing. Both uh, Jalen Warren and, and uh, Najee Harris should feast, as you mentioned. As, yeah, as you guys mentioned, Indy's run defense is poor. And let's be honest, as we said, did the Steelers want uh, Mitchell Trubisky to win them the game? The answer is no. Najee Harris also, as Dave said, 15 or more touches in nine of his last 11 games. It's going to be plenty of opportunities for Warren. Plenty of opportunities for Najee Harris. I expect a big day. Although, I still think the Colts find a way to win the game. That's just another thing. No more Colts props. I don't think from the rest of us, but. I still like Indianapolis here. Now, Dave, you have something. You have another prop. You have two more props here in the running game, but yeah. one that I was going to ask you about later in the show until you picked it. It's actually my favorite prop of anyone uh, on the show. You have, uh, and, and I'll, I'll spoil it, this running back in his last six games against this opponent is averaging 184 rushing yards. Just, I mean, think about it. Since 2019, 184 yards a game on the ground. And his total is a lot lower than that. Tell us about it. Well, we're
4: not talking about Najee Harris anymore. No. Right? <laughs> we are no. moving on from that. We are moving on to the king, Derek Henry of the Tennessee Titans. We're taking the over on his rush yards. I found it at 66 and a half minus 135. Your mileage may vary. He tends to play well whenever the Titans are in a competitive game and not a blowout. For example, crossed over 67 rush yards in seven of 10 games this year when the Titans have either won the game or they've lost by a score. There's 10 of those this year. He's done pretty well in seven of them. He's also gone over this in each of four home wins this season. I believe the Titans are home favorites this week against the Texans who don't have C.J. Stroud, who don't have Nico Collins. The poor team lost Tank Dell a couple weeks ago. Their run game is a question mark again. And their offensive line isn't at 100%. They're going to have a hard time controlling the clock and scoring points. That makes for the perfect game script for Derrick Henry to get a lot of work and to get a lot of rushing yards. But here's the real kicker. This is just the cherry on top. The Texans are also going to be without Will Anderson and Blake Cashman. Those are two front seven defenders that have two of the highest run defense grades from pro football focus. And without them, they're probably going to struggle against the run and against Derrick Henry again. And how much would I play this lineup to? Let me put it this way. I'd look at the alternate lines and put a double sprinkle on over 74.5 rush yards. I saw that at plus 110 and over 99.5 rush yards at plus 300. This is one you can ladder. This is something that I think we should all feel good about. It's my favorite prop of the week. Derrick Henry over 66 and a half rush yards at minus one, three, five.
2: Yeah, I like that one a lot, Dave. Now you also have another prop uh, of a player that is crucial for my fantasy team in my in my big league this week. So I really hope it comes true. It's future second round pick in fantasy drafts, Jameer Gibbs going over
4: 53 and a half rush yards. At minus 129, Gibbs has played 63% of the Lions snaps last week. He's played the majority of snaps in four or five games since David Montgomery has come back from injury. And it's easy to see why he's more explosive than Montgomery. Plus, he's capable of playing physical football just like David Montgomery. For example, last week, the Lions didn't get near the goal line very much. When they did, it was Gibbs on the field and not David Montgomery. And don't get me wrong, having Montgomery there that creates a little bit of risk on this prop. He's out-carried Gibbs in three of those five games, but Gibbs is averaging 5.6 yards per carry in those past five. He's getting the job done. He's very explosive, and that helps us get over. But the real reason why we're going to get over this is because the Denver Broncos run defense has allowed 5.3 yards per rush in its past five games and 5.5 yards per carry on the season. This is the one area – of the Denver Broncos' defense that has not improved this year. Remember, earlier this year, they were terrible everywhere. Dolphins put 70 on them. Now, they've gotten better against the pass. Their pass rush is a little bit stronger, but, man, against the run – I don't see them really doing anything here. And I think the Lions are going to lean into their run game, take some pressure off of Jared Goff, and it makes it easy for them to do it because their offensive line is getting healthier as well. I would play this one up to 57 and a half, especially if it means knocking the juice down. Jameer Gibbs is going to get you at least 58 yards this week against the Denver Broncos.
3: Let's go Jameer Proppy. Yeah, and I would also add uh, to Dave's point, I, I like that play quite a bit. Uh, Denver, as Dave mentioned, the worst run defense in the league, hasn't improved, giving up 144 yards to opposing running backs per game. That is a massive number, certainly enough for both Gibbs and Montgomery. Uh, and Gibbs just looks better and better every week, looks more and more confident, uh, looks less tentative he was kind of forcing things early on just his skill set and his natural talent and abilities are so great he looked like he was over accelerating to the point where he was tripping early in the season but yeah just looks more and more comfortable uh he's allowing the blocks to form and just looks phenomenal the beauty of Jameer Gibbs is he is so dynamic that he can truly get this on one carry
2: Yeah, and the one thing that Detroit needs to keep doing is those zone runs. Because when he has room, Jameer Gibbs in the open field, good luck tackling him. And that's what we need to see more from Detroit, in my opinion. You know, I'm I'm kind of biased here in that I want Jameer Gibbs to do well. Dave, I really want you to hit this prop, obviously, for multiple reasons. Getting back to the Henry prop, one quick second here. When I gave those – they gave those stats from 2019 in those six games that Derrick Henry has just obliterated Houston. We have a different coaching staff now, obviously, multiple different coaching staffs during that time. When you are picking a prop, does a historical uh, aspect like that, despite the fact that there's been turnover, players, coaches, etc., does that play into it, you know, uh, dominating an opponent, or do you not really read much into that?
4: Yeah, and this can apply to fantasy too, EC, because we want to know if if history is a reason to start a player. And I would answer that no, it's not a factor. It's fun to hear. It's fun to say. But you notice I didn't say that in my analysis. I didn't want to talk about Derrick Henry's past because Derrick Henry's past against the Texans is against a different coaching staff and against very different personnel. The schemes are different. What they try to do to slow him down is different. Henry is older now than where he was before. But still, two defensive members who are good at stopping the run for the Texans not playing in this game. And Houston's been great against the run. I think they're around like 3.3, 3.4 yards per carry allowed. I think it's going to make a big difference. Plus, plus, that Titans offensive line is relatively healthy for them. That means that it's below average and not like worst in the league offensive
3: line. Robby. Couldn't have said it better myself, Dave. I personally cringe inside anytime I listen to someone's analysis where they're citing uh, historical production as if it has anything to do with the upcoming matchup. So, uh, Dave, excellent answer and uh, fully endorse that.
4: Now, I, I will say this. I think like when you look at Josh Allen against the Patriots, and this is just a random example. Okay, now we're talking about a guy that's in the same division the defensive coach in New England it might be changing after this year but really hasn't changed throughout Josh Allen's career that's something that I might lean into if there's a trend and if that defense is healthy in that type of specific situation and there really aren't that many because there's so much turnover in the NFL in those situations I might give it a little bit more credence but for the most part history is fun but it should say in school, not. Our, I would say I would say
1: particularly in
3: the NFL, Dave, as you mentioned, just due to the turnover, personnel injuries, a coaching staff. But yes, there are rare exceptions when there is some familiarity from a personnel standpoint, coordinators, et cetera, et cetera. But that is just a, again a very rare exception. So I couldn't agree more.
2: Now we know why these guys are the experts because they differ from my philosophy on things. I, you know, when when handicapping college football games, I would say something like. These two teams are just used to playing high-scoring games. I totally would have blind-bet Derek Henry just because of the history there without knowing anything else that you had said, Dave. Guilty is charged. Hey, what can I say? But if you want to play any of these lines, you can do them at BetMGM. BetMGM has all of the action for every sports fan. New BetMGM customers can sign up today and get a first-bet offer up to $1,500. If your first bet loses, you'll receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets with bonus code, with bonus code EDGE1500. That's Edge 1500. All right, before we move on to receiving best bets, let's hear from one of our sponsors
5: selling a little or a lot.
2: This is a big week for a lot of us fantasy players because it's the first week of the playoffs. And so when you hear props, at least when I hear props of players that I have on prominent teams, I have 10 fantasy teams and seven of them made the playoffs. Now, this next guy that what can I say? I can't help. There's a reason I'm a single guy, Dave. This is what I do with myself. (laughs) Right. Okay, so Proppy has a guy for his first receiving prop that is crucial to one of my biggest teams. It's also on his favorite team who happened to lose a showdown to Uncle Dave last week.
3: Do you think A.J. Brown is going to bounce back properly this week? Uh, I certainly do, EC. We're going to back A.J. Brown. Going over 80.5 receiving yards. Eagles playing on Monday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. But I think A.J. Brown is, pr- is prime for a big bounce back. He still played somewhat well. Obviously lost a crucial fumble. Was battling against Stephon Gilmore, who's having a fine season in his own right. Made a couple of drops or had one significant drop that could have potentially uh, given him over 100 receiving yards in the football game but against the Seattle pass defense I have a lot more confidence in Uh, they've just not been good this season they're also giving up a ton of plays in the splash zone which is deep down the field and the middle of the field which is the most valuable targets that we see in the NFL. A.J. Brown drawing more targets in that portion of the field than any wide receiver, uh, not named Brandon Ayuk and Tyreek Hills. So I've been very encouraged despite the dip in production for A.J. Brown. I think this is a great spot for him. I know he's going to be force-fed double-digit targets. And I do think if Geno Smith suits up, that Seattle could certainly push the Eagles a little bit into a high-volume passing environment. So give me A.J. Brown over 80 and a half receiving yards
2: boy I love that one Proppy, because I have uh, on this big team I'm just, sorry I'm talking fantasy football here I have Jalen Hurts AJ Brown and DK Metcalf in that game it's going to be a barn burner now big cheesy asks, and I'll, I'll start with you here uh Proppy would you take Devontae Smith over 59 and a half receiving yards minus 115 with Dallas Goddard back Smith doesn't generally get as many targets you would think correct
3: Here's what's interesting about the Philadelphia Eagles offense is they have such a concentrated target distribution. It really just is A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and then there's a couple of additional targets that go to maybe DeAndre Swift uh, or a couple of Kenneth Gainwell uh, or, uh, yeah, just some tertiary options for the Eagles. But because of the fact that almost every target goes to that big three, Two of three of the aforementioned big three have cashed in over 90% of games that they have appeared together. So you can blindly take all three and still have a pretty high uh, profitable clip. So I I would encourage you, if if you really want to, you can take all three, and two of three will cash again close to 90% of the time. So I I don't hate it. They're one of the rare teams that I'm comfortable taking multiple overs on one side of the football. Dave, I would
4: completely co-sign that, plus last week we saw Devontae Smith get 10 targets in Dallas Goddard's first game back. And I remember last year, Goddard missed time, Devontae blew up. When Goddard came back, Goddard really didn't get his numbers, but Devontae Smith kept getting fed. It was something like five, six games in a row to end the season with at least eight targets per game. I think the Eagles know that they want to give him the football. And I got a weird feeling this is going to be a high-scoring game between these two teams. So, all three of them, certainly fantasy worthy and certainly player prop worthy.
2: Proppy, your other receiving play is also kind of a glutton for punishment here because Kyle Pitts is one of those guys that has the talent, but he seems like he's in the wrong offense. How do you feel about him this week?
3: I love Kyle Pitts. And yes, it's been a real headache owning Kyle Pitts from a fantasy perspective and certainly betting on him. Been a volatile commodity. Uh, but I'm very encouraged. I think the breakout is finally starting to form yeah, this late in the season. Obviously very frustrating, but thank Arthur Smith for that. But, What I like to see, and I'm really encouraged by, is Kyle Pitts played a season high 86% of the snaps last week. He had been hovering between 40% and 60% for nearly the entire season. So seeing him finally in a full-time role, when you're talking about a guy as talented as Kyle Pitts, uh, yeah, why this didn't happen earlier, I can't tell you. He wasn't playing a full complement of snaps despite no injury designation. But again, Arthur Smith moves in mysterious ways. But if he is going to play close to 90% of the snaps and run around on every single quarterback drop back, getting him under 40 yards, the number being 35 and a half here, is just an automatic play for me because of his talent, because of his target profile, because of his ability to target to draw targets deep down the field. He's capable of getting this on just two or three targets here. So this is more of a play on the situation uh, and just Kyle Pitts's talent is too great for me to ignore at this number with this hopefully new role where he's playing at least 80% of the snaps.
2: You know, I'm going to pat myself on the back for a second from last week because I gave out a Desmond Ritter over prop and to actually have the cojones to give out a Desmond Ritter over prop and for it to fly over in the Falcons offense. Yeah. So you know what, Proppy, let's do it again with a Falcons receiver. I wish you the best of luck. We had Drake London. You know he he excelled last week. Let's hope Kyle Pitts goes off. Now I'm going to give my prop before we get to Dave's. I'm going with Jamar Chase over five and a half receptions tomorrow at minus one thirty-five. Little little a little juicy here, but okay, so be it. It's a twenty-nine percent first read share and twenty-four percent target share from Jake Browning. But here's the angle that I'm playing here: Minnesota blitzes at the highest rate in the NFL, so Browning will want to get rid of the ball quickly. I expect a lot of design slants in what should be a, a close, uh, hotly contested game. I could see something like a seven or eight catch, 50 or 60-yard game from Chase. So I'm holding off on betting his yardage, but I'm going to roll with the number of catches. Once again, this is something if you want to throw in parlays, yes, you knew I had to do it. Jared, I saw you in the chat. Am I throwing out a parlay today? Not necessarily, but uh, M Squared has a great one on the Sportsline social channels. Check that out. Look at uh, Sportsline Instagram or Sportsline TikTok. It is a great Saturday parlay. I would just go with that one. But if you want to throw something in there, this Jamar Chase bet, I actually like a lot. Now, another player that I really like a lot is a wide receiver in Green Bay, Jaden Reed, who has been cashing a, a lot of late, especially if you can find the combined yardage prop, which is kind of tough. Uh, they should be offering that for Reed because Green Bay gives him a ton of rushing attempts. But Dave, there's not really a lot of great competition in the passing game for Green Bay against a really favorable matchup in Tampa Bay. Well, there,
4: there is competition, EC. It's just that I, I don't know if it really matters at this point in time. And that's why I do like Jaden Reed to go over four and a half catches. And I found it a plus money at 102. I would try and find the same if I were you. Reed's had at least four catches in five straight games. But in the first game without Christian Watson, that was last week, he had eight catches on ten targets. Now. That's something I could live with here if I'm just trying to get to five catches. Watson's out again this week. He's listed as doubtful. He's not going to play. The Packers have used Reed differently lately as well. He's being leaned on for his ability to make plays with his speed, both on handoffs and after the catch. And so he's put in positions where he should be able to continue catching a bunch of short throws from Jordan Love. And the Bucks defense has been terrible all year and they appear to be without two starting members of their defensive secondary, including their best cornerback, Carlton Davis, and potentially without big defensive tackle, Vita Vea, who impacts their pass rush. So it's going to be a comfortable game for Jordan Love, should be a comfortable matchup for Jaden Reed. And when when Reed lines up the most in the slot, that's usually when he's at his best. On the season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers allow a 73% catch rate specifically to wideouts who line up in the slot. That helps. So look for Reed to get two or three of those little pop passes. You know what those are? Quarterback's right here. Guy runs in motion. Quarterback literally does this. And the receiver goes off and takes it. I just lost the football. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what I'm going to squeeze for the rest of the show. But he's going to get a couple of those pop passes, and he'll get three to five other short catches, and he'll come through on this prop at plus money. Jaden Reed over four and a half receptions.
2: Oh, I like it, Dave. I like it a lot. Now we never know if Christian Watson's actually going to play again because he always seems to come on the field, have a good game, and then get hurt. It's just unfortunate in Green Bay. What can I say about that? Proppy, before we go on to Dave's next play, I want to ask you about Jordan Love for a second. So Tampa Bay has gotten absolutely torched by the pass as I talked about last week with Desmond Ritter. Uh, he gave the you know he had over or close to three hundred yards, something like that, in the, since week five. Tampa Bay has given up an average of 301 yards passing per game to quarterbacks. Jordan Love's over-under is 247.5. Do you have a lean one way or the other on that angle?
3: Uh, it's a shame Christian Watson isn't playing in this game. If he was, I'd probably have a lean to the over. Uh, I love how Dave is choosing to attack it with Jaden Reed. I thought you made a great point, EC, as uh, far as looking at the combination line, because they're using him a lot uh, in the in the rushing game as well. Uh, saw him, I think, with close to 10 carries, if I'm not mistaken, or uh, over 40 rushing yards uh, a few nights ago. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great matchup against the Bucks. I have questions whether or not the Bucks are able to push the Packers into a high scoring environment where we're going to see a lot of Jordan Love. Uh, I've been encouraged by Jordan Love. I think it's a little bit unfair his treatment early in the season he was playing really well getting a ton of hype then he struggled and then it was suddenly like he shouldn't he didn't deserve to be in the league and then he started playing well again and suddenly he's the next coming of Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers when in reality this guy has played the equivalent uh, of a rookie season and there's just going to be ups and downs over the course of the season he plays well and he doesn't play well here or there but uh yeah I think the number is fairly accurate considering that We're not seeing Christian Watson, who has been, uh, you know, one of the Packers' better targets, even though he hasn't been on the field a lot this season. So I think the number's good. I think Jordan Love is playing well, considering his experience level uh, in the NFL.
2: And who knows what to expect from Aaron Jones if he's actually going to play. A.J. Dillon has a broken thumb. I think Dave's point about pop passes to Jordan Reed, even though he dropped his football. You know, sorry about that, Dave. You dropped your football there. Uh, I think Jordan Reed's going to get a lot of action, either handoffs or those pop passes that's a great bet. Now, Dave, you also have another prop that Rick in the chat absolutely loved, or at least this same player uh, earlier in the chat, if you scroll up, absolutely loves the, this Vikings player. Who you
4: got? It, it's C.J. Hawkinson, over 52 and a half receiving yards at minus 117. If I didn't love the Derek Henry prop, this would be my favorite prop of the week. Have I ever given out two favorite props of the week? I don't think I have. I don't know if I want to start now, but I do love this one. He's taking on a Bengals defense that's allowed a touchdown – or 70 yards or both to a tight end in all but two games this season. That's what makes the ma- the ma- it makes the matchup great and it's going to be good for fantasy, but what does it really do for what we're talking about? Just getting over 52 and a half yards. Well, let me just tell you what Hawkinson's been doing. He's been put up he's put up at least 53 yards in six of his past seven games, 55 plus plus in five of seven. and he's done it with four different quarterbacks throwing to him. This week's quarterback is Nick Mullins and he's a gift for T.J. Hawkinson. Mullins has a career target rate of 26.2% to tight ends. So that means more than one-fourth of his throws over the course of his career have gone to the tight end position. And that's exactly where T.J. Hawkinson's going to be. Of course, duh, he's a tight end. And last week, and this, this just makes it even better. Last week, Hawkinson had four catches for 45 yards from Mullins When Mullins came into the game for the Vikings in the last 10 minutes of the game, I know the matchup was a nightmare to watch. EC, I know it killed you because of the kicker prop, but Nick Mullins looks for his tight end. He's got one in TJ Hawkinson, and I think they're going to continue to make it happen. I don't even want to say anything else. There's more research and more analysis on Sportsline. Just take the over on TJ Hawkinson. Should be anywhere from 55 to 75 yards in this game, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if they can put a line that I
2: would take the under on for Hawkinson. Wow, and that says something with a, with a new quarterback in Mullins. Now, Dave, I ask you about this player every time that I can. You are the number one fantasy football expert anywhere. Justin Jefferson. We saw what happened last week. Josh Dodds threw him a hospital ball and it actually sent him to the hospital. Now his, uh, his over-under line, his prop line on BetMGM is 75 and a half yards receiving. To me, that seems a little bit high. What would you do with it? I'd wait.
4: I'd I'd give it a week. You just want to make sure that we get Jefferson back. We see how he's utilized. This is effectively his first game back, and certainly they threw at him a lot when he did play on the field last week. Uh, I, I would not rush into taking that over. I think that's just a better opportunity down the line, even if it's going to be a higher number. Let's say this week he goes out and he crushes it. Next week's number, it's going to be in the 80s. You'll feel a lot better taking that then after you've seen it for a week. And the same thing applies to fantasy. Justin Jefferson is usually one of the top three wide receivers in fantasy football rankings. This week, he's not even top 10. We want to see it with the new quarterback. We want to see what this offense looks like. We want to see him play four quarters. That's why he's more of like a high-end number two wide receiver. It's weird to say about Justin
2: Jefferson. Everybody's starting him anyway. But that the, that prop is one that I would stay away from for this week. Proppy, what do you make of the Minnesota passing game? You know, you don't have Alexander Madison. Probably he's out, uh, you know, as a running back. You have Ty Chandler, who's a good receiving back. You have Hawkinson, as Dave mentioned, Justin Jefferson, you know, Jordan Addison. Are there any prop lines for Minnesota that you might, outside of Hawkinson maybe, that you would look at uh, over
3: or under? I I love the Hawkinson line. Personally, I think that's such a great look. I know you asked for additional lines besides him, but uh, that would be my overwhelming favorite. uh, All things considered. Uh, I do think Nick Mullins is going to have success and he's certainly going to be able to move the ball quite a bit between the 20s watching him. He's always been fairly productive i'd also look at his passing prop the line is 250 yards or 247 and a half yards indicating that he's going to uh yeah have success moving the football certainly has a great matchup against cincinnati as well who have one of the worst pass defenses in the nfl so uh, i love tj hawkinson here Uh, if i had to pick another option outside of him it'd probably be justin jefferson but to me it's hawkinson or nothing what
4: what do really we know sure. about the uh, the pass attempts prop for Nick Mullins? Do we know what that number is? Because if that if that's anywhere near thirty, that's an easy over. Because I think the one thing that the Vikings learned when when Dobbs was under center is it's it's just not their identity to run the ball a lot. And I think they have a hard a half, time Dave. running the ball this
2: week. Thirty six and a half for Mullins.
4: Okay, so like I'm going to stay away from that one too. That is an insanely high number. It's 20% higher than where I would have played it with Nick Mullins just because I'm not sure if he's going to be given the opportunity to throw that much, but that gives you an idea of what's expected from this Vikings offense now that Josh Dobbs is out and Nick Mullins is in. The odds makers certainly believe that they're going to throw a lot. And uh, I wrote about this in lineup decisions this week. I would expect them to throw at least 60% of the time, if not closer to 62, 63%. Uh, I don't expect them to have a great run game against Cincinnati, even though
2: the matchup suggests that they might. I heard propies say between the 20s, which makes me think of field goal props. Hmm. <laughs> While I ponder that, let's hear from one of our sponsors.
1: Hey, everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast, And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.
6: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. And,
2: you know, I just got to say, field goal props. I didn't give one out this week, but for a quarterback prop, yes, I have one. And I actually really like it. Brock Purdy, over 251 and a half passing yards, minus 115. Now, our AI pick bot from my guy Specter says Purdy's going to have 393.8 passing yards. Okay, I wouldn't ladder it up that high, but (laughs) Purdy is first in yards per attempt and fourth in passing yards per game. He had 283 against the Cardinals in week four, even with Debo Samuel getting hurt. And he has 272 or more passing yards in six of his last seven games. And oh, by the way, Brock Purdy's from Arizona. It's kind of a homecoming here. Now the Cardinals have actually been fairly good against the pass. Only C.J. Stroud has been above this number since Week Five. But you know what? I don't see the Cardinals' defense providing much resistance here. I like Brock Purdy over 251 and a half passing yards. All right, uh, Dave. We have a fantasy question for you. Um, which do you like better in a half point PPR league? Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell, Jarek McKinnon, or Clyde edwards hilaire it's
4: it's Keaton Mitchell. He's the one that's got the most upside of the group just because, well, first of all, he's been getting more work and more playing time than Gus Edwards in Baltimore. And I know what the numbers say about Jacksonville's run defense. I don't think they're that good. I don't think their defense is particularly good. And so I would take the the shot on the upside with Keaton Mitchell in a half or full PPR, honestly, with uh, in comparison to the other guys you told me.
2: What do you think, Dave? Would be a as far as Keaton Mitchell goes, as far as a combined yardage. What's something that you're kind of targeting as far as a number, and then I'll get you the you know what what his actual number is. I I think I looked
4: at the number earlier today, and I want to say that it was in the high 60s for combined, um, and I don't hate it. You know, there 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 might be inclement weather in Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, I'm in South Florida, and I'm I get reports all the time. We see reports on the news, in my inbox, from my wife. The weather's going to be bad this weekend. What are we going to do? All right, that one was more about my wife than it is about (laughs) what I get in my inbox. So bottom line is that I I think the whole state's going to be covered, and I think there could be some serious wind and rain. It's something we need to keep in mind for the Sunday night game. And if it comes to pass that it is bad weather in Florida, and that includes northern Florida for Jacksonville, then the Ravens are just going to say, okay, we're going to run the ball. And maybe I thought that they would do something like that last week, but wind was not a factor last week. It was just rainy. And it clearly did not stop either quarterback from having a big game between the Rams and the Ravens. So we'll see what happens. But if that does go down and the wind is really bad, you'll see Keaton Mitchell get a lot of work
2: and he should be able to break some long runs. 58 and a half is that combined number on certain sports books. So take a look at that. Definitely a double look- sprinkle. I learned a lesson from you guys last week about weather. I was thinking it was going to be so low scoring in this Rams and Ravens game. What was the final score? 37-31, something like that. Lesson learned. Don't argue with the experts. There's a reason these guys are pros. They taught me a a lesson. I, I won't forget that one anytime soon. All right, Proppy, you're going against a guy that for one of my seven remaining teams, I actually have him on a couple of them. And I really like the Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, but you apparently don't. In Cleveland this week, tell us why.
3: Yeah, I actually don't dislike him this week. I just don't think he's going to have a lot of success through the air. We're talking about Justin Fields. We're going under 186 and a half passing yards. This is just a brutal matchup against the Cleveland Browns' pass defense that has been exceptional. They've been especially good at home. They have allowed one quarterback this season to eclipse 200 passing yards. In Cleveland so this is just a tough spot for Justin Fields I think if we look at the path of least resistance against this Cleveland defense they're a much weaker run defense which plays into Chicago's game plan in my opinion of what they want to do anyway so I think we're going to see Chicago lean heavily on Justin Fields legs on the trio of running backs Rashawn Johnson Dante Foreman Khalil Herbert, and we're just not going to see a ton of passing volume as long as Chicago is competitive in this game and they're they're not playing from a huge deficit, which I feel like against a Cleveland offense with Joe Flacco, it's going to be a competitive uh, game environment anyway. So, yeah, I just think 190 or 188 passing yards is a big ask in what's likely to be a competitive lower scoring game between two offenses that are going to lean heavily on both of their rushing attacks.
2: Now, something tells me, you know, Goose is behind you looking at the camera there, Proppy. He really wants to get some face time. And I think he's also excited about your next prop of this quarterback uh, in a rainy game, as Dave had mentioned, going over his prop.
3: Tell us about it. Goose is, in fact, a huge Lamar Jackson fan. He actually collaborated on this play with me. We're going to back Lamar Jackson over 214 and a half passing yards. I've just been so impressed. I know Goose has, too, with Lamar Jackson, uh, the strides he's made as a passer this season. I think in this Todd Munkin offense, they really went out. Uh, shape this offense to Lamar's strength they also added pieces that I think complement his skill set well and again he's just developed a lot so I've just been very very impressed even without Mark Andrews we see Isaiah Likely a very athletic tight end that can get open uh, down the middle of the field in the seam so yeah I think Lamar in an environment against Jacksonville who are I agree with Dave and they're probably an overrated run defense, but they're a significant pass final. Teams are choosing to opt to go pass heavy against them if we're looking at the path of least resistance and where teams are finding the most success. Uh, Dave mentioned this last week. I endorsed it. We talked about the weather. I really don't – I mean, again, uh, outside of just w- – where where you never really have, you know, a hundred percent chance of X occurring. Uh, I'm not going to factor into the weather that heavily, especially this far out. Um, you know, multiple uh, 48 to 72 hours until uh, this game takes place. So while there could be some weather issues, I'm not going to be overly concerned with it now. I think this number at 215 is very generous, very friendly, and outside of just huge wind gusts, Lamar's capable, even if we, if he does face some rain or inclement weather.
2: All right, there you have it. Now we have some rapid fire here. Uh, Proppy, I'll start with you on this one. Um, are we still going? Jay Kane says, are you still good with Justin Fields under 184 and a half? Definitely. Okay. Dave, how do you feel about Garrett Wilson over five and a half receptions at plus 170? I,
4: I love it as long as the weather is okay in Miami. Okay. something You're going to need
2: to check into, you know, the day of the game. Notice how we have, if you're watching the video, we have Dave's goose and then we have Proppy's goose. One's a cat, one's a a goose, I guess. Right, and you
4: know, I realize this goose doesn't have a name.
2: So I think Hmm. it makes
4: sense to call it cat.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, you never know what you're going to find here on the Prop Show. All right, one more quick hitter for each of you. Proppy, I'll start with you here. Uh, So Brian Robinson is out for the Commanders. Antonio Gibson's combo line is 66.5 rushing plus receiving yards. Do you like that over better than Kyron Williams' 120.5? Which side would you play?
3: I'm glad you asked, DC. These are both very fascinating lines to me for a bevy of reasons, Uh, starting with Antonio Gibson. It's been a while since we've seen him make a start, but Antonio Gibson, in my opinion, is an adequate starter in this league. Uh, If given the opportunities, he's certainly produced. Uh, I think his skill set as... Uh, a receiver out of the backfield is kind of what separates him from other bracks and, and is where he really shines. So while I don't play running back receiving props typically, I do think in this particular game environment, Sam Howell is going to air the ball out a ton, especially without Brian Robinson in the backfield. So I could see. Gibson heavily, heavily utilized in the short area passing game where he is already very effective. So I don't mind a look at his receiving yards. We know Sam Howe leads the league or the commanders lead the league in passing volume as a whole this season, and I think they're going to be playing from behind. I could see Howe airing the ball out 40-plus times in this game, which would certainly benefit Antonio Gibson if he's in an every-down role. Uh, And then as far as Kyron Williams is concerned, his combination line, his rushing close receiving yards, is higher than Christian McCaffrey. If you had told me that in week one, that Rams running back tyron Williams' combination line would be higher than Offensive Player of the Year candidate uh, Christian McCaffrey come week 15... I would have told you you were absolutely insane, but here we are. Kyron Williams is having a phenomenal season. He's been unstoppable. The Rams feed him. He has a bigger stranglehold on running back touches, on the running back opportunities, the share of those touches that the Rams run the football than any running back in the league. So when they use him, they lean on him extremely heavily so uh, i think 120 yards is a monster ask yes it's a fairly good or a very good matchup against the washington commanders i could not play this line this high so it's a fade or nothing for me
2: dave i want to ask you about another offensive player of the year candidate As Proppy uh, just uh, mentioned christian McCaffrey. you tweeted about tyreek hill earlier he is questionable didn't practice at all this week If he were to play on Sunday, first of all, do you think he's going to play on Sunday? And if he does, what is the number that you would expect for a prop total? And would you avoid? Would you play over? Would you play under a certain number?
4: I'd lean toward the under if Tyreek Hill played, and it wouldn't surprise me if he did play. Uh, Mike McDaniel made it a point in his press conference today to say that he trusts Tyreek would make a good decision and could play well without practicing and, you know, we, we've got the coach's film. We see what players look like. And when he came back in the game last week, he had his speed, but he couldn't really cut really well. So I think there's something going on there, and that might negate his ability to run complex routes, certainly the type of deep out and in-breaking routes that the Dolphins like Tyreek Hill to run. But he can run the go routes. It's just that he's taking on a tough matchup this week, and he could leave early. What would I hesitate to take the under on? I would hesitate to take the under if it was like 64 and a half. And I would imagine that if he plays, the prop total will be pretty high, but not as high as it normally is. But I would, I would lean into the under if there was one.
2: Tyreek, you're killing me. I'm playing Sportsline's Josh Nagel in, in our CBS Sportsline uh, Fantasy Football semifinals this week. And I have Tyreek. He's carried me this far. And you're gonna do this? You have to sprain your ankle at this time. Go ahead,
3: Proppy. Shout out, shout out, excuse me, Josh Nagel, very sharp fantasy player, very sharp better as well. If you're a sports line subscriber, you would see he has been atop the NFL leaderboard for almost the majority of the NFL season.
2: Let's get to the recap screen. Speaking of guys that are gonna be towards the top of the leaderboard, as Uncle Dave talked about earlier in the show, are we gonna sweep the board this week? A lot of pressure on me with my three plays. Uh, Dave, what's your favorite play among Proppy or mine? You don't need to pick one of each. Just one play that you like among amongst the two of us. My favorite one is Brock
4: Purdy over 251.5 passing yards. I think that that one has a pretty safe shot at going over as long as Purdy stays healthy. Just the way that this 49ers offense has been rolling, the fact that they've been excelling at getting yards after the catch against Arizona, I, I would imagine that it's going to be an ugly game for them and a great game
2: for Purdy. Propy, you and Goose seem to like a lot of what Dave has picked out this week. What's your favorite?
3: I do want to mention before I uh, answer that or address that question is I said at this fair at the portion of this uh, stream. Last week, that I thought Dave had the best card that I had seen him deliver all season long, and I would be shocked if he didn't go at least four and one. So, I do think I deserve some credit uh, for prognosticating that because uh, Dave obviously went four and one, had a great week. But I think it's CJ Hawkinson's spot. I like Dave's card quite a bit again this week. Uh, I like all the plays, but I think the Hawkinson look is very good. I think Cincinnati covers tight ends as poor as any team. In the NFL, I think McMullins is going to lean heavily on Hawkinson, who's been a target monster and is certainly having a career year. So I think that's a great look. Are we sitting on a 13-0 week?
2: Well, I guess we'll find out about that. But as I always, you know, a few things I want to mention here beforehand. If you're not a Sportsline subscriber and you want to be, and maybe you're an old Sportsline subscriber or somebody that just wants to, to dabble in, I have college picks up on the site. Proppy's got a bunch of uh, NFL prop picks on the site. We have Our experts have so many picks. If you need a promo code. Message me on Twitter. I'll take care of you. We'll get you the best introductory rate that we can so you can see what Sportsline is all about. Don't forget our Sunday shows, noon Eastern and 7.30 p.m. Eastern. A lot of great content from there, from the counselor at Proppy, I know is on there, uh, M Squared and the rest of the crew. It's great content. For Proppy and Goose, for Dave and Cat, and the snake behind the scenes, I'm EC. As I always like to say, let's hit it big. Good luck. <laughs>